0: What's up? This is Jimmy of the Bodyhood Podcast. Listen, um, or should I say webcast because I don't know how you consume this content. We've been putting so much out lately, I have no idea what episode this is. But nonetheless, we are back in the building. I got my partner, Corey, with me. Corey, what's going on? What's
1: going on, Jim? How you feeling?
0: Oh, man, I can't complain to nobody listening, man. But um, we bring in another special episode. Um, as we always say, we want to highlight brothers and sisters in the community who are doing amazing work from uh, all different facets. So, in this episode, we have a, another a great one ahead, and I can't wait to get into this conversation. We got the brother, uh, David Williams, um, coming to us from Florida, who's a marketing expert, and um, he shows companies and people how, how to use his services and increase their revenue, get more exposure. So, we're going to talk about marketing in this episode. So, uh, Dave, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. How y'all feel? Oh, man, we excellent, man. You know, now, now that we got you on, we excellent. You know, generally, I say fair and probably cloudy, but marketing is... Uh, Always an interesting topic to me, so I can't wait to get into this conversation. Um, before we get started, I got to ask you a question, man. Um, I know a lot of people in marketing, and, and most of them, um, especially who are African-American, I say, how'd you get in marketing? And one of the answers I hear often, which is funny to me, is they say, well, I saw a boomerang, and I saw Marcus Graham, and you know, I decided that's what I was going to major in. So I just want to know, did Marcus, <laughs> Graham, did Marcus Graham have any impact on you, or, or, or what's your story?
2: You no, know, not really. I mean, I saw that movie. I didn't even realize that he even wasn't marketer. Like, when I was watching that movie, I was pretty much fixated on the love angle. Got you. I didn't even understand what his profession was. I, didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah. So it's that, really interesting how people see different things when they're watching something like that.
0: Yeah, but that, to me, that's always interesting because, um, for one, it was one of the first times where, like, I mean, he was getting money. He had the nice penthouse. He had the women. He had the whole nine, um, you know, show, to show a brother from that aspect. But also... Um, to show how media influences us. And I mean, you know, we can start there. Um, The impact that media has on on people's minds.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, media definitely has the ability to program people. I mean, that's essentially what it's there for. So uh, understanding that media's job is to indoctrinate people into a particular line of thought that serves a particular purpose. And so once you kind of understand that, then you can kind of be a lot more discerning. Uh, about what type of media that you expose yourself to and also type of media that you expose you know, your children and your family to. Uh, nobody creates this level of media that we see uh, purely for uh, entertainment purposes. So it is entertainment, but there's always something underneath that because um, media, especially news, but even you know, uh, entertainment-based media is designed to indoctrinate you in a, into a specific point of view and to kind of get you to think and act a certain way.
0: So you believe all media uh, at that level, you say all media at that level is, is, is deeper than just entertainment.
2: Yeah, all media at that level, and anybody that's producing media should produce it with that particular intent. So if you're producing media and your job is not to indoctrinate somebody uh, to condition people, uh, really, you really don't know what you're doing and you're just spinning your wheels, or you may be producing something and not be aware of it and somebody else may be using it to do the same thing and you're not aware of it because your job is just to produce this media so you see a lot of this uh in hip-hop music but not just hip-hop music but music in general we'll take hip-hop as an example a lot of those artists are just producing content and then there's another group of people that are selling that content but they're kind of dictating what content they produce and they're using that content to indoctrinate and condition people but the artists may not be aware of that because they just see themselves as being a creator
0: mm, interesting interesting so yeah, yeah. Yeah, we 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 can take a deep dive into that in a minute. But let's talk about you, right? So your background. Um, where did you grow up at? How did you uh How did marketing become a profession? So how did you get into this line of work?
2: So uh, I'm a Florida native, uh, born in Tampa, moved to Orlando, uh, pretty much raised in West Orlando. Uh, been in Orlando primarily the majority of my life. Uh, been in Florida. Been to a lot of different parts of the country, different parts of the world, but always came back to Florida. So I got into marketing um, because. I was in Tampa and I was running a video production business, and so I was coming from the standpoint of a lot like a lot of business people. I thought because I had a technical skill, I was qualified to do business. So I was really, really uh, proficient in video uh, editing, video production, you know, putting together video pieces. Uh, and and I couldn't understand why I wasn't doing the level of business that I thought I should be doing based on my expertise. And like a lot of small business owners, I thought by being an expert in the space meant that I could go to the market sell my services and I would have a success because people would recognize my expertise. And one day I was sitting in my apartment and I was looking at all this video production equipment I had bought. I had probably almost $10,000 worth of video production equipment, including the editors and the whole nine yards. And I couldn't understand why I wasn't having the success that I knew I needed to have. And it just hit me is because I wasn't able to convince and persuade people that I was the right person to solve their particular problem. And I didn't understand how to persuade and influence people that they had a particular problem that could be solved with video production. And I was a person that could solve that problem for them. Mm-hmm. And once I started to understand it, that that's what was missing out of my business. Then I started to go down this journey of really starting to uh, study marketing and how marketing can help you in business. And then on a the journey of studying marketing, I started to get to kind of the root level of what all this is, which is really persuasion and influence. So that's essentially the foundational piece. And then once you start getting to a derivative or an extraction of that, that's when you go into the marketing angle.
0: Got you, got you, got you. And I, to me, it's, it's interesting, right? Because, um, you know, I often debate with people, what's the most important part of any business? And it sometimes to me, it could be marketing, right? Because I know a lot of like shitty products, let's face it, that have amazing marketing that do <laughs> amazing numbers, right? Numbers. And, and, and you have quality products who have terrible marketing, um, although they have a, a a better quality product that really do, do nothing at all. So that whole persuasion and influence is real.
2: Yeah, definitely. One thing you'll study if you really look at really big businesses, like you study the Fortune 500 list. Many of them have a, a specific or a separate division just for their sales and marketing team. And so that's is is being able to market a service and then at the end of that being able to sell it, but the marketing is really driving the sales, is really fundamental to business. And a lot of people struggle in business because, like I said before, is that we're conditioned to think that because we can produce a product or we have a particular expertise in an area, they will qualify to go into the marketplace. And because we don't understand the full spectrum of what business really entails, which the important, most important part is being able to understand psychologically what your ideal customer is going through and how you're going to solve their problem. We can't communicate to that particular customer. So we're just in the marketplace trying to sell something and don't understand why we're not having the success that we desire. And we don't, think this is serious because we've been marketed to that you're qualified to be in this space because you have a specific skill or because you have a product and i try to get people to understand is that does not qualify you to be in the marketplace
0: interesting right so you said something else that um that i caught along um, along what you were saying that's interesting to me which is that um thinking that you have a skill and and that will translate to business Even if you're the best at that, whatever it is that you're doing, right? So I remember when I was in business school, I had a professor who used an example. He had a brother who was a mechanic. And he was an amazing mechanic, right? He was one of the best mechanics. And the company that he worked for promoted him to, say, uh, being a supervisor. Because it felt like, okay, you're the best on the floor doing this. Let's make you a supervisor, give you a promotion, because you are the best. And he was absolutely terrible at it. Because his skill set was, you know, um, using his hands to do things that way, but he didn't have a skill set of being a business person, which they needed as they moved them into management. Um, so a lot of times, if you have someone to kind of bring, uh, bring that back home, if you have someone who has the technical ability, sometimes should they try to bring someone else in who has that business mind or, or can use persuasion or marketing, or should everyone try to pick this up themselves?
2: I mean, they can make the decision of what they think is best for them and what can get them to reside, result at a pace or a speed that's appropriate to them. So for some people, I recommend that they try to learn marketing, but they have to understand that marketing is a vocation. So you're never going to learn enough to where you can stop learning. So a lot of people have this impression that I could take this course, or I could learn that I could get this particular coaching, or I could read this book, and now I know everything I need to know. Understanding how to psychologically manipulate humans is something that you're going to be studying the rest of your life. Even though if you learn it at a fundamental level, a small piece can be, be very powerful, but you like, it's like a skill. You got to keep learning how to hone that skill. So if you have a particular skill, let's say uh, you learn know how to dribble the basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have a particular dribble that works all the time, but it works all the time because you practice it all the time. So you may have a particular move you do. It works because you do it all the time, even though it's a very basic and simple move. But a lot of people's mentality is that I can just learn it, but not contis- consistently work on it and I can be successful. Or... When you're building your business, you have to build a team of people that have expertise in different areas that can help build the full spectrum of your business. You don't have a business just because you have a particular skill set that you're in the marketplace with. You're just a person in the market with that skill set that's trying to sell your services or your product to somebody, but you don't have a, a real business till you have that organized element where there's different aspects to your business and they're all working together in some type of cohesion.
0: Interesting. Interesting yeah so <laughs> man so, you, so you, every time you say something i'm like my brain is 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 rattling because you're saying a lot of great information there like we talked about um learning to psychologically right manipulate people and that, that kind of sounds negative in a way but when you think about marketing at, at its base that's pretty much what it is you're psychologically um moving people one way or another
2: yeah definitely see we've been taught in the west to have a a a negative perspective of the word manipulation. So manipulation is essential to your life. So let me give an example. Um, when you have a child, um, the child is an infant. So the child, if, if the child is not successful manipulating the mother to feed it or give it some type of nourishment, the child dies. So the child already understands how to manipulate the situation to make sure it can get the, con- the nourishment it needs to carry on. If the child is not successful at that, it dies. So we have to stop looking at manipulation as a negative thing. The thing is, what is the result of the manipulation? So you can be a parent and you can be manipulating your children to do the right thing because that's the result of the manipulation is I want to put them in a better position. I want to, to ha- them to have a positive result. We've been taught in the West that all manipulation is negative. But if you go to the East, they have a lot of stories and a lot of mythology based around people being manipulated, but it's not necessarily negative. But in the West, we think the word, if somebody says, well, this person is a manipulator, we think that word is always 100% negative and it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. I can be trying to manipulate people in a way in which I want to get a positive result for them, but I have to psychologically manipulate them to get them to go and pursue what it's going to take to get that result.
0: So as someone that studies this stuff, right, you, you, you study persuasion and, and things of that nature, this current climate we're in has to be very interesting for you. When you look at uh, what's going on in culture, society, um, our last election, um, and and how people were manipulated. Whether uh, th- uh, what was the documentary about Cambridge Analytica? I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that was really good. yeah, so I I know that the right now what's going on in the world. This has to be interesting times for you as someone who who studies persuasion because now with uh, social media and and you see people using that platform or all the diff- all the various platforms to do exactly what you're talking about. As someone who studies this, this has to be very interesting times for you, right?
2: Yeah, but this is what I want you to understand. And this is really interesting. If you ever read The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli?
0: Yes, absolutely. He'll tell you, yeah.
2: that, he'll tell you that, and I, I don't want to misquote this. I'm trying to paraphrase the idea is that times change, but the people rarely change. So we got to understand is that the stuff that we're seeing today isn't anything new. Mm-hmm. It's just the same techniques are being used over and over again, because people are essentially the same. So we start understanding how the human brain works. And I I, I was glad I got on here because I wanted to get into this. One thing I try to teach my marketing students is this. So you may be a certain amount of years old. So let's say you're 35 years old. It's hypothetical, not you, but just saying the person I'm talking to, let's say you're 35. Mm -hmm. So you get up in the morning, you're getting up with the mentality of a 35 year old person, but you're also getting up in the morning with the mind of a child. But you're also getting up in the morning with with the memory and the behavior patterns that have been embedded in you over millions of years, of somebody that's millions of years old, then you're also getting up and you have the behavior patterns that have embedded in you of somebody that's a few hundred thousand years old. And so all of those are impacting your decisions. So what people really understand when they understand marketing they understand psychology is how to manipulate people's behavior at a base level. So none of the stuff Donald Trump did is really sophisticated is is really very basic but because he understands like all politicians understand is how to manipulate people at a very base level pornographers understand how to manipulate people at a very base level uh the food companies the drug companies they understand how they're not doing really sophisticated marketing the average person their marketing is too sophisticated so because they think they have to have this really sophisticated uh aspect of marketing we look at the Popeyes chicken thing they were just tapping into group behavior well group behavior was primal behavior okay so millions of years ago if we were on the savannah of africa and let's say all of y'all are members of my group and i'm drinking some water and i see you and Corey start running i immediately have to start running i can't think about what's going on because i understand that the danger could be so severe if i stop and think about it i'll be dead So that behavior has become so embedded in human beings. Now, when I see you and Corey engaging in an activity, I just follow the group. So this isn't complicated stuff. The problem is that we haven't been exposed to it because once you become exposed to it, it becomes less effective on you. And the only way they can run this world is for this stuff to continue to be effective. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they never really teach you how they're really manipulating you. They teach you, they just keep you in this pattern of manipulation, whether it's good or bad, but they're never teaching you the principles. And so what I like to do with my students is teach them the principles of manipulation so they can use it, but in turn, it becomes less effective on them.
0: Okay. This conversation reminds me of a, a book I read years ago. Um, it was called, I'm trying to think of, The Psychology of like Influence and Persuasion. I think the author's name was like Robert, Robert... Uh, Caldini or Galdini or something no, like you're that.
1: Talking about, yeah, I know you're talking about. Talking yeah. about yeah. It, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Actually, what you're talking about is similar to what I do in my job. I work with with people who have um on the autistic spectrum. Okay. And I basically have to manipulate their behaviors to become the behaviors that they uh should have to be able to function in today's society um with their autism. Okay. And I have to, you know, repeat you know, show them repeatedly the behaviors that they should be mimicking um, so that they can function properly in certain settings. So, you know, for an example, if, you know, if you're going to the store, you need to go in your wallet, get your, you know, get your ID out, get your your credit card or your debit card out or pay with money, get your change. You know, I, I have to teach at a very base level how to do very basic functions that most people pick up automatically it, that people in the spectrum don't pick up automatically. So I have to do a lot of hand over hand and a lot of manipulation, um, as you call it. Uh, we could call it something else, but I know exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about manipulating behavior. I do it every single day.
0: But I guess the yeah. thing is that a lot of us don't recognize that, um, and I, I guess that's the point David's making, this is going on with all of us all day long, right? It is. Yeah, So so you know, um, no matter how old you are, this is this is kind of what's going on as you navigate through the world How
1: about this is happening in the womb. Yeah. You know, that you know, it's happening in the womb. Like, you know, you know, I got three kids. So what I did with my kids is I put on music while they was in the womb. You know, what I mean, because, you know, you, you develop a sense of hearing in the womb. And so you, your environment is in fact, uh, uh, affected before you're even born. You know, what I mean, so, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, that manipulation you're talking about, don't even start at birth, it start at, you know, at the point of conception where you can hear and, and feel, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that manipulation is happening in the womb.
0: You know, it's funny, so when we talk about investing all the time, we always talk about, um, and, and Corey has this thing when we do our presentations where he talks about when you get up in the morning, right. And by the time you leave your front door, you've done business with 50, a hundred companies, whether that's the company that you bathe, you know, soap with, whether it's the sheets you're lying on, whether it's the, you know, the water you drink in the morning, like there's, there's certain number of companies you do business with before you even leave your door and tying it to this, it makes me think that um, how you're being manipulated as soon as you open your eyes, like you're being manipulated all day long. Um, but a lot of us aren't cognizant of that, right? So I think that's interesting, right? So you're a marketing professional, but you're talking about – and, again, I get your point, though. It's like in the West, we take these words and and we, uh, you know, associate certain things with them. But that's what it really breaks down to, manipulation, persuasion.
1: Yeah, it's about a, you applying a negative connotation to a word that is, is neutral. It's a neutral word. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a neutral word. It is about what connotation you – Apply to that neutral word. Yeah,
0: interesting. It's interesting stuff, though. Interesting stuff. One of the things, Dave, I want to say is, um, so you know, I'm following you on social media. I think you're one of the, um, and, and a lot of people that have come on the show. I tell us to all of them because that's how pretty much, you know, we determine who we bring on. Is we we see what they do in in the uh, in the community and in, in the spaces that they operate. Um, and you're you're no different than anyone else. So you're you're one of the people I follow that I find interesting. You have this uh, this you know series of posts you do where you um hashtag laws of the game, right? And some of the stuff that you, that you write is thought-provoking to the point where I remember one post you put up, right? It had like, me and my wife in here debating probably for hours on hours. I mean, you kind of like, you know, um, that was, that was, uh, you, you persuaded us. That post was uh, interesting to me. It was talking about uh, children. And you said that, would you be willing to starve someone else's child so that your child could eat, right? And you talked about how most people say no to that, but that's why they're not really... Uh, ready and willing to do what it takes to um, combat some of the uh, systematic oppression that goes on, because we we don't have the ability to want to starve someone else's child so your child can eat, and it's that drastic. Um, do you remember Do you remember that post by the way?
2: Yeah, I do remember that post, and, and you know one of the reasons why I, I created that post, and, and I'm gonna go a little deeper into it. One of the reasons why I connected with Camp on social media is because I say he gets it, and one of the things that Camp gets is that like we're, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but one of the things that I believe that he understands is that we're in a fight for resources. So the number one fight that we're in is a fight for resources. And if you can control resources, then you can now dictate other people's behavior because you control those resources. So me being a student of Amos Wilson, understanding that as black people, but especially as black men, but not trying to discriminate against the women, but as black men is that there's really no space for us to have the really hard pragmatic conversations about how we're going to try to control resources on behalf of our particular people. There's no way we're having those kind of conversations. And so because we're not having those kind of conversations, we're really not fit for leadership. Because in this world, what has already been decided by other people Mm -hmm. is that their children are going to get a certain amount of resources that are going to benefit them and allow them to move forward in the future, and that our children are not going to get those resources. And many Black people, because of their conditioning, because of the persuasion that's been done on them, If you were to put a child of another tribe in front of them and put their child and put a limited amount of resources, they would try to figure out how to split those resources. Well, other people would decide that the other child from the other tribe is not going to get any resources, are going to get the minimum resources they need, and their child is going to get the majority of the resources. And because of the way people have worked on our thinking, we're still not ready to really be in a leadership position because we can't think properly. We don't understand resources and resource control and how lack of resources have to start determining people's behavior and start making a lot of those hard decisions because we've been conditioned to be people at the bottom of this society. So one of the things that I really want to do and what's really driving a lot of my efforts is to start putting the seeds in a lot of our people to understand how to really truly be able to make these kind of decisions on behalf of their family and on behalf of their group because we're not having these kind of conversations about these particular things, but they're a reality. Like somebody decided that they were gonna divert water in Flint and give those children and give those families lead contaminated water because the resource, water is a a valuable resource. You can ask anybody that has been incarcerated. If they don't like you, they'll cut your water off. That's how valuable that resource is. So we don't understand that we're not playing these games. We are caught up in which place got the best fried chicken sandwich.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, you're right. You're right because e- that that post right there, and you've had several of them, but that's the one that always stands out to me because it made me sit back and like you know reflect on myself and how um I've been manipulated, right? So how I've been brainwashed. Because I was like, wow, I never thought about things on um on that level before. So you know, like I said, I I appreciate people that um use their platforms and that I could take something from, and it, you know, makes me self-reflect and learn myself. So. That whole series you do of Laws of the Game is one of those things where you talk about like, you know, explain, explain what you mean by Laws of the Game.
2: Okay, so Laws of the Game is this. There's one game that's going on. And that number one game that's been going on this planet ever since we was all living in Africa millions of years ago is the fight for resources. Yep. Everybody's trying to fight for resources so they can continue to perpetuate their family and continue to perpetuate their line. That's the number one game that's going on. Every game is an extraction of that game. So what I try to do is go back to the original game that's going on. And then from there, we can go into these other side games. Gotcha. The original game is that we are all fighting for resources. And if we don't have control of resources, somebody else is going to dictate our behavior because they control those resources. So I live in Orlando, Florida. I get my water from the Orlando water management company. They know no matter what we do in this country, if we cause them enough problem, I got to do is cut our water off. So because we don't have control of that resource, our behavior now is being dictated. So now we got to figure out a way to work around that. So laws of the game is getting you to understand that there's a game going on. There's certain ways that this game is played. It's been played like this for years. It's been played like this when your people even controlled this game, but you're not hip to it because at this current day and time, you're at the bottom of this game, which means that you're not going to really be laced up with game to understand how to play it properly. And once you understand how to play this game properly, based on what is actually going on, your movement becomes different because you see the bigger game and what what people are really playing for, as opposed to this little petty stuff that you think is important that you get caught up in.
0: It's interesting because I, I um, I'm a student of uh, Dr. Claude Anderson and Powernomics, and in that book he talks about why everything revolves around economics, and the, the argument that he makes is that's what gives you control of resources. And like you just said, those resources dictate everything else. It dictates, yeah. dictates everything from how you're treated politically to how your kids are educated, but it all goes back to those resources.
1: It all, everything. Everything is about resources. So, uh, like, we, we're all fighting for space, right? Everything, you know, I, I have a saying that, you know, I really don't tell people much, but everything is about time because everything is about how we spend our time, right? So, when you dictate resources and you dictate the economics of people, you 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 control their time. Yeah. You control you control everything about their time. There's nothing that they can do that you like. You said if they want to stop you from doing anything, all they do is cut your water and your electrical. Literally, like if they want to stop you from doing anything, just cut your water and your electrical. And so, until we can figure out how to control our own resources, we are, our time is always going to be controlled.
0: Mm, interesting. And that's a good. That's a good uh, time to uh, plug Corey and I's book on your time and space. <laughs> you can get that at onyourtimeandspace.com, and that's gonna be in the description. You know, um, another 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 um set of posts that you put up have the tash, hashtag uh, dark persuasion. Um, another one that I find interesting. So out of, out of, all the stuff you post, I find those two those two uh types of posts. I always find those interesting. The laws of the game and the other one is dark persuasion. Is, is that the same as laws of the game? Was is that is that saying something else?
2: It's pretty, it falls in line with the laws of the game. And really what Dark Persuasion is trying to get people to understand is that, and what I was talking about before, if you got a basic move in basketball, really, if you got two good moves in basketball, you can always score. You need a move and a counter move. So once you understand that, if you understand that you can psychologically manipulate most people using fear and greed, you can always figure out how to get you some money out here. You can always figure out how to move people in the direction you want to move them on.
0: Oh, you said that—that's a oh, that's a bar right there. You said yeah. if you can move people off of fear and greed, you can—you can always make so fear and greed, right? So those fear are the two things. Greed.
2: Most people are in a state of fear or they're greedy, and they stay going between those two spectrums all their whole life. They either fearful of something or they greedy. Most cons work because people are greedy. Okay, if people weren't greedy, most cons don't work. The other cons work because you're fearful of something, so you allow yourself to be negatively manipulated because you're fearful. So what most people are running, and once you understand it, if you look at Trump, Trump used fear to manipulate people. But it was a fear they already had. He just tapped into it. Mm-hmm. So he didn't invent the fear. He took the fear that already existed, and he tapped into it. And there's also a spectrum of people that are greedy, that he's able to use them to go along with him. It's just fear and greed. So you don't have to be doing any complex marketing schemes if you just understand how to use fear and greed. What was the Popeye's chicken? It was a fear of being left out. The group is moving in a direction. I'm not moving in that direction. I must be missing something. When I was younger, I was always trying to run out in the street because I thought I was missing something. And it took me years to realize I wasn't missing nothing. All <laughs> the whole time I thought I was, so I kept going out there. I moved to one side of town. I would come on from something and ride all the way to the other side of town because I thought I was missing something. Because you know, and I thought oh, if I'm not here and something happens, I'd have missed out. And it took me a long time to realize i wasn't missing anything but some people never get past that point they think if the group is doing something they fear that they're missing out so once you understand dark persuasion you just understand those two principles you start to hone those two principles and you don't have a moral dilemma about using that to get what you want out of people you can always get what you want out of them
0: yeah i had that same epiphany when i um when i first went away to school right so you know I, I was the same way but then i went away to school and i came back home during break and the same people were sitting in the same spots talking about the same things and i'm like i'm sitting here like you know oh, i'm i'm missing out on what's going on in the hood not really cuz y'all y'all in the same spot and the crazy part is and not, not not everybody but some people you go back 15 years later they're still on the same corners the same spot talking about the same things um so that's interesting you say that right um this conversation is amazing to me because um I, I get it, everything you're saying, but I also understand how when you have these conversations, it, a lot of people probably wouldn't want to have them because they're probably in engaging with you feel like you're calling them stupid or saying they're being a victim. Right. But that's not what you're saying. And Corey just said, it's the, it's the power that we give words and the connotation and how we accept these words. But this is what's going on. It's kind of like mind control in a, in a weird way. I mean,
2: definitely is mind control. And this is something that people have to understand and, and a brother that I'm connected to on Facebook, uh, Jay Thompson of the Abacus talked about this today from an earlier post is that, this is something else I try to get our people to understand. Uh, Hypothetically, let's say we were to go conquer uh, a particular piece of territory that had, let's say a, a, a population of 100,000 people. We would have to figure out how to control those 100,000 people. And if we were unsuccessful at that, and let's say our land was valuable, our resources were valuable, somebody else who could be our enemies, We'll figure out how to control our population against us so mind control and population control is essential to controlling a nation or a territory so it doesn't need to be looked at from a negative standpoint it needs to be looked at as essential and our problem like i said before is that we haven't been mentally conditioned to have really pragmatic conversations like the black consciousness space never evolved into having really pragmatic conversations about you know, global politics, economics, things of that nature. We got caught on history and space stuff and never moved in that direction. And so the problem is that the world continued to move forward and continue to advance, and we kind of got stuck in one place. And so what I want to try to do is bring those kind of pragmatic perspectives to the game because nobody else is doing that. But I already understand is that many of our people are not ready to have those conversations because at one time I wasn't ready to have those conversations. I was just caught up in the history.
0: Mm, interesting. A shout out to uh, Brother James, uh, who's, who's been on here, one of our earliest guests. to uh, so salute him. Um, That's interesting you say that. So, have you ever had anyone like you know hire you for your services, right? And you get in and you start breaking these things down, and they can't deal with it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've had people, I've had people, kind of it because it's new information, and because of me, I'm a very uh, direct speaker. I'm, I don't ever intend to be disrespectful of uh, the people. I try to always be polite, but I'm very direct because I understand that time is limited and you're here to get a result. So I need to try to make sure you're in a position to get the result that you came here for so you can get the result that you desire. People sometimes, because the information is, is new, because a lot of marketers, what they're doing is they're giving you uh, what I would call, they're really far off the branch. And it's information that makes you, is very much tactical. Uh, it's not based on systems. And it's not based on fundamentals and it's designed to make you think you're getting something, but it really, you're not, you're getting fluff, but it's really dressed up really well to make you think you're getting something. So when you get around me and I tell you, Hey, you know, the only way to get smart is to play a smarter opponent. So understand that when you come into a situation with somebody, you may, you're always going to, only way you're going to learn is to deal with somebody that knows more than you about a particular situation to take your lumps, get yourself up to speed and move on. There is not going to be a situation where you're going to be successful, where you're not going to have to take losses. So understanding that most people don't want to hear that. What they want to hear is that you can live your purpose. You can monetize your passion. Uh, You know, you can do this stuff that's very much what I would call on the light side of life, but it's not very effective because it's not how this world really works. We have to be able to get in a position of power to move in that direction But the way this world is set up right now is very dark. And it's been like that for a long time because of the people that are in power. We have to understand this dark side to move it towards a different area. But we don't even understand what's going on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a whole game out there being played that most people have no idea is really what's going on. Um, Another thing I find interesting about this topic is we're living in a time with like, you know, all these so-called quote unquote gurus. And you see how they move masses of people. Uh, using a lot of these tactics you're talking about.
2: Definitely.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to ask you a question. So you, I, you study this stuff, um, and you talk about the Fortune 500 company. Who do you think does an, uh, the best job or an amazing job when you, when you talk about manipulating people and getting them to move one way in terms of a corporation?
2: Oh, so any successful quick-serve business is doing a great job. So whether it be McDonald's, um, any KFC, Popeye's, any successful quick-serve business does a great job because that business is based on repeat customers, is based on lifetime value of customers. So you got to get a customer, get them to continue to come back. So they understand how that particular brain works that likes quick serve food. Uh, I've always been a fan of Nike's marketing. I mean, Nike has always had some of the best marketing in the world. Apple has really good marketing, but if you look at any long standing consumer business, uh, Facebook is another one. They understand their consumer at a very innate level, and they essentially just roll out the same marketing principles over and over and over again that are very basic. They're not complicated at all. Facebook is using very basic marketing principles. They're using a lot of direct response principles to persuade and influence people, but they got so much uh, capital behind what they're doing, it allows them a great reach. Gotcha. So I would say any consumer-based company that's been successful, let's say over a decade, really, really understands their customer at a very deep level. They spend a lot of time learning their customer. They spend a lot of time observing their customer. They got a lot of data on their customer. And so they use that to understand what direction they want to push their customer into based on where the customer is at, not what they want to do. The biggest mistake a lot of small business owners make is they try to push their customer. They try to uh, impart or I would say insert their belief system into their customer and that's not the job of a marketer. The job of a marketer is to take what their customer already believes and to use that to push your customer in the direction you want them to go in.
0: You actually mentioned this in your last answer, but my next question to you is going to be um, we're living in a time now where data a lot of people consider data a natural resource. Um, how important is it having like you know uh, good data on your on your customer
2: so that's one of the most important things you can have so um, what Facebook? We talk about the Facebook, the Cambridge Analytica, When I saw that little documentary on what they did, at that time I was really heavy in the media buying. I would have did the exact same thing if I was that company. If I could have gotten that data from Facebook, I would do the exact same thing they did, because that's how you create successful campaigns. Because you get so much response data, you understand what direction you need to take the campaign in to make a success. So when you're on the internet right now, all your behavior is being recorded. It's all being tracked. That data is being correlated, it's being aggregated, and it's being sold to companies that understand how to use that data to build out marketing campaigns and to build out products and to build out services based on what you're already doing. So we're going to go back to James Tompkins with the abacus. He sells a FinTech course. I was getting FinTech data on Facebook users in like 2016, and it was free because I was a media buyer. So I already understood how to take a person's buying behavior and their credit history and things of that nature and understand what type of goods and services to offer to them that I could run marketing campaigns on based on their previous behavior that Facebook was getting from data aggregators. And they were giving it to me as a marketer because I was buying media from them. So that information is very powerful, but that's not anything new. It's just been taken into the digital space. If you go back a hundred years ago, direct response marketers were always getting data. It used to be something called, uh, like we call print lists. And so let's say you and Corey had a magazine. I will go to you and say, let me get a list of your subscribers because they have a particular affinity for a particular topic. I know they may be involved in real estate, economics, things of that nature. So now I know what type of product served to them. So these lists have always existed, but the average consumer had no idea that these lists even uh, were around because it was something that was internal to the magazine publishing industry. So this information has always been around. It's just now moved to the digital space where you can build these massive amounts of data really, really inexpensively. And so you can leverage a lot more information.
0: You know, um, uh, Brother DeMario was on here before and he talked about his t-shirt brand and how he recognized that, you know, most people when they start any sort of company or whatever, the first thing they wanna do is try to get support from family and friends. And he said he recognized that can only take you so far. So he said he figured out how to use uh, Facebook and Instagram to purchase ads and it took his business to another level. Um, So my question to you is in terms of using those platforms and purchasing uh, ads, like, do you recommend that to your uh, clients or like in terms of buying ad space, spending money?
2: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. But see, this is what I really recommend. I really recommend you have an innate understanding of your customer because what Facebook and Instagram are just platforms. The, there's going to be a new platform 20 years from now. Yes. But the principles of persuasion and influence are always going to be the same. So the better you understand your customer, the easier it's going to be for you to create services that are what your customer wants. So, so it's never a finished platform but understanding the customer. So what we don't focus on is understanding the customer. We get caught up on tactics ah. or platforms. And the reason why we get caught up on that is because we think there's a magic bullet and there are no magic bullets, but we've been taught to believe in magic bullets. So Facebook understands that the average person was taught to believe in a magic bullet before Facebook even existed. So now the magic bullet for business success is going to be Facebook, and Instagram, but there is no magic bullet. So
0: there you think no- that, so, so to me, it sounds like you're saying, um, one of the things you should do is like the customers you have, study them, study, study what you have in terms of, uh, why Why? or you know when they're using your products to so study your consumer
2: yeah you should know what your consumer's thinking when their feet touch the floor in the morning you should know what gives them anxiety you should know and I, I teach this about my marketing students your customer has a current state and they got a desired state how do your product or service close the gap to get them where they want to go and if you can't answer that question you don't need to be trying to sell to them
1: what problem are you solving how exactly. do you solve their problems? Exactly. Basically, as, as you just said basically what you just said is how do you solve their problem? How
2: do you solve their problem? How do you get them what <laughs> how do you get them to where they want to go? And if you can't you can't uh it's not, you know, if you can't communicate that, then why are you trying to sell them something?
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I mean for me, like I have a pet peeve, right? Uh and this is just a pet peeve I, I have growing up, is that when I would ask somebody for something, they would give me what they think that I that they thought that I should have instead of what I asked for, exactly. right? And that's a pet peeve of mine. And for most people, it's a pet peeve. They just don't recognize it's a pet peeve. Like, so if you know, if I ask for a a, a, a Sunday uh, with a cherry on top, and you just and you, and I ask for a vanilla Sunday with a cherry on top, and you give me a strawberry Sunday. With, with vanilla, you know, with a vanilla something on the top. You you gave me what you thought I should have instead of what I asked for, and it would drive me absolutely nuts. And that's what's happening to most people's customers. You're driving them crazy because you're not giving them what they're asking for. You're giving them what they think they should have instead of what they're asking you for. And that's why your customers, uh, you know, uh, how you say uh, flaky, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you get flaky customers that way. Because you so- all...
0: It sounds to me like people are serving themselves and not really serving their customer. Yeah. You know, yeah. He
1: said that yeah. earlier. He, 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 people, people are selling people their, their own dream instead of the customer's dream. You know how we talk about price and value.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You
1: can put any kind of price on anything. But if, if your customers don't value your price, you can't get it. Yeah. It's about value. with the, the value they see in whatever you're trying to give them. Because that's, the value basically is, are you giving them what they ask for? instead of what you want them to have.
0: Okay, so, so let me ask you a question. As someone who's listening to this podcast or watching this video, um, what is something they can do in the short term, right, you know, to implement into their business that, that they would see uh, an impact from um, in terms of persuasion and marketing?
2: Short term, they should study the customer more. So they should never, you can, and, face, and Facebook shows you this, we're seeing this in the trend, you can never have enough information on your customer. Most small businesses that I deal with don't know their customer well enough. They really don't. They know what they want to do. One of my pet peeves, and the piggyback of what Corey does, is when I say, well, you know, why do you start this particular business and it's because I wanted to do this particular thing, don't have anything to do with the market. Well, the market is gonna always dictate whether your business is successful or not. You have nothing to do with it. Because most people in the morning are driving around worrying about themselves. They weren't about their own issues. They never thinking about other people. Okay. Some people think about their family and kids. A lot of people don't. They just think about themselves. So if you can't figure out how to make sure that person's getting what they want, it's going to be difficult for you to be successful. So study your customer at a very innate level and understand how you can create something that is going to solve their problem. And if there's enough demand in the marketplace to even justify your actions.
0: Interesting. Most people don't even think about their kids; they think about themselves. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, most are, they don't want to admit that, but they are. Most people think about
0: themselves. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting, man. A lot of knowledge. A lot of knowledge is dropping here, man. And, and you're going to have people looking at uh, everything sideways. So once you start to understand persuasion, it must be, um, you know, interesting as you navigate through the world and you understand that this is what's happening 24 seven, right? So. um question I would have is another question moving forward is that um, so you've helped small businesses, you've helped people. Uh, what is some of the successes or give me a success that someone has had in using your services?
2: Okay. So I had a guy who's a, uh, a creative, he's a painter up there, I think in New Hampshire. And so he took maybe uh, a $25 course, maybe a $45 course. me we sat down and talked for about an hour. And I really explained to him how to create really compelling offers. And he was able to take that. And now he's doing a business for celebrities, He's doing a much larger scale for business and he was struggling and getting the appropriate price point that he felt he was getting for his particular creative work. Because, you know, him being a creative, his work is based on his time and he wasn't able to get the price point he wanted and he didn't want to do cookie cutter pieces. So I really sat back and communicated to him. It's how to create a really compelling offer based on what your ideal customer desires and to understand how you can communicate to your ideal customer that your creative piece is going to give them what they want. And once he was able to start implementing that, he's now able to get the price points that he's want, which are much greater than the $45 he paid. So pretty much all of my success stories, the amount of return they were able to get from dealing with me is far greater than what I charge because I really don't charge a lot of money. I charge enough to make the person respect my value because I understand that a lot of our people are, are, uh, they are challenged with capital and so they don't have the money to really pay premium so even though i may teach a lot of my students to create premium courses i don't necessarily always bring people in at a premium price but i do make sure i give something that we can both respect each other's time
0: okay yeah that's that's great man so i think the one thing i'm taking away from um this conversation is about because i see this all the time myself and you know just you put it in proper perspective is how you're supposed to be in the market to serve your customer. And most people is always, it always is about them. Like, you know, why'd you do this? Whether it's something in the arts or even in business, people have this thing about following their passion, but not necessarily giving a consumer what they want.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, but we got to understand is that selling the people that they can follow their passion is giving them what they want. The problem is when they try to go out in the marketplace, it doesn't work. So selling somebody that you can take your passion and start a business around it is giving them exactly what they want because they're frustrated because they own a job. They feel like I'm frustrated, I don't like what they're doing because most people don't like their job. They just do it for the money. So I now create a course around how to uh, monetize your passion. So now you buy into that particular course and now you go out in the marketplace believing that, well, because I bought this particular course about how to monetize my passion, I'm going to be successful because you don't really understand how the market really works because you were sold because like I said before, is that the only way to get smart is to face a smart opponent. But you have to understand that you're facing a smart opponent. Most people don't even know who their opponent is. So they think mm. <laughs> friend, so, that's okay. problem. So, it, so they keep banging their head against this wall trying to make something work because they don't realize that they, they just dealt with an opponent. I would never sell somebody something that I knew was not going to work for them just because it made money for them. Just, I'm sorry, just because it made money for me. But those are my own morals everybody don't have those kind of morals so i was telling the woman i know enough about marketing to where i can make millions of dollars selling black people fade cream because i understand black people enough to do that but that doesn't fit my morals, so i'm not going to do that but you got other people that do that they'll sell black people anything even if they black themselves just because it's going to make their money
0: yeah that's that that's that's man that's interesting right there that's that's very interesting because you said you're selling, basically you're selling them a dream. As we say in the street, yo, you sold you a dream. Like you're selling a dream. And it reminds me of like almost every, uh, I shouldn't say every, but 99% of the real estate courses that I see people selling going all the way back to, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you see them on in the infomercials. That's what infomercials are doing.
2: Yeah, are selling,
0: sell, selling you a dream.
2: Yeah, they're selling you a dream, but we understand that people have the dream. So we identify the fact that they have the dream. So how do we give them something that closes the gap between where they're at to where they want to be? And we can sell them anything. We can sell them real estate course. We can sell them religion. We can sell them fitness. We can sell them a, a finance course. We can sell them a relationship course. We can sell them anything because their desire to get to this place is so, is so um, deep that they're willing to do anything. And the thing about the desire is that every time it's not met, it becomes stronger. So a person that's 10 years in on this has a stronger desire than a person that is a year in into it. So that's why a lot of people bounce around the MLM space their whole life. Because yeah. they believe in that dream, and the dream never gets met, but you can keep selling them because they believe in the dream.
0: Ah, <laughs> interesting. Reminds me of that uh that that meme I saw going around over the last couple of weeks. Like everyone I've ever seen in the MLM, none of them are rich yet. You know what I mean? But it's it's funny, right? So, um, you talk about people in, in MLM, and you know that's your thing. That's your thing, but they are consistently chasing this dream. They go from, like you said, company to company. One one month they could be, you know, um, selling legal services. The next moment they could be selling vacations, and they never take a step back and look what's. With, like they're really be, they're the ones that are really being sold to. So a lot of times they look at themselves as salesmen, but actually no, you've been you're the one that's being sold to. It's almost like a it's almost like a pimp relationship in a, in a, in a, in a crazy. Yeah, way. it
1: is. That's exactly <laughs> I, what it is.
2: I, 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 no, mean, no. I, I wouldn't know if I would say it's a pet relationship, but it, it is a relationship in which a person they have a desire to get somewhere and they think the MLM is a solution to that. And because they believe in that so deeply, it's always going to be a different MLM. And this is the issue. To learn the skills it takes to be as successful at an MLM, you don't have to join the MLM. That's what they're never going to be told. Yeah, you can learn how to sell to people by just taking sales courses. You can go get a job at a car dealership and learn how to sell. You can get a job, you can go and and learn how to be a real estate person and learn how to sell and then move into the MLM space and be successful. But they think the MLM space is what's going to make them successful because they get caught up in a lot of the other stuff that don't have nothing to do with the MLM.
0: The, the reason I said like a pimp relationship is some of the stuff that you're talking about, that's kind of what it reminds me of, right? The, the, and I guess, um, you know, um, no disrespect to anybody out there if that's your profession, that, yeah, that, that's your business. But um, when you talk about master manipulators and persuasion, that's what it is.
2: Yeah, definitely. But I mean, we, if we, take, we, we look at a pimp relationship from an exploitive standpoint. Let's just say we would say, well, pimp relationship is an exploitive relationship, there's a lot of exploitive relationships. I think most people join MLMs really is because they are uh, dissatisfied with their labor situation and they don't know how to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. So they think the MLM is a solution to their labor situation, but it's not.
0: Because and it goes people. back. that goes back to what you said. So the MLM is basically that magic pill.
2: It's the magic pill. Well, what do we say before? Most people believe in magic pills. So because most people believe in magic pills, you just keep selling them. Because most people believe in magic pills. Most people don't believe in the actual work it's going to take to get to what they want or they don't want to do it when they realize the amount of work. So you can always sell them a magic pill, and this is the thing about a person believing in a magic pill. If magic pill A doesn't work, but I believe in magic pills, I'm willing to try magic pill B. So I just try magic pills the rest of my life because I believe in a magic pill. So the magic pill can take many faces. It can be the face of religion. I got a bad life. Well, let me just go to church because Jesus or God gonna change my life. That's my magic pill. Or I need to be in a relationship because a relationship is going to be my magic pill because I don't like my life. So the magic pill has multiple faces, but it's the same desire where I think there's this one thing I need to be doing that's going to change my life. Well, I just sell the one thing and I bring everybody in that believes in that one thing.
0: Man, that's listen. I I think that's might be the title of this episode: the magic pill of marketing. Cause yeah. that's that's what this all boils down to is that people wanting that magic pill, right? Yeah. Like and and it goes to even business people wanting that magic pill. So a lot of times they probably hire you, like you might be the magic pill to someone, right? Um, I'm a, I'm gonna hire David because he's gonna push a button and then now my business is gonna go to you know whatever level it may be. Um. Yeah, so, is, uh,
2: not the cut you off, but see, that's why I tell people all the time is don't tell me I got good information, tell me you applied it. So you don't see me as a magic pill. Tell me that you apply the information, you got a result as opposed to the information, because we understand that most people that buy information never apply it. So they believe the magic pill is information. So we have to understand how deeply, how how deep this mentality is embedded in our society, where people believe that there's one thing that's going to change their life and life ain't work. Now life is based on a foundation that you continue to build on. It's not based on one thing. So I'm not going to just come into your life and change everything. If you don't already have something there. And then if I have to build a foundation and that's going to take work.
0: And yeah. I, I know, it's funny you say that, right? Cause we talked a lot about like the, the, per, the perception of what's good and what's evil. Right. But the fact of the matter is like, once you, once you start to understand this stuff, you could use it for however, like, you know, some people may use it for one way, some may be used for the other. And like I said, it always mi- reminds me of that book, The um, Psychology of Influence, all right? So it's talked about in that book. Once you start to understand that stuff, it's, you can actually weaponize it. And, uh, you know, from what I've seen, when you look around the world, people have weaponized it. You know what I mean? So that it's powerful information once you understand that this is what's going on. You know what I mean? So, core man, um, you got any other questions uh, before we get into these books? Yeah,
1: uh, David. So when you're um, in your courses and, and, and the things that you teach, what what uh, what kind of setup do you use? Is it interpersonal, or do you do groups, or how? What's what's your uh, preferred teaching style um, when you're teaching your courses?
2: So my preferred teaching style is is person to person, and so even though it's very inefficient from a time standpoint, I feel like I have the best result. Because one thing about my personality is I'm a very uh, – my baseline personality is to be introverted, but I okay. learn over time that I do really well talking to somebody person to person. Um, I okay. can speak in front of groups, but when I'm trying to get somebody to understand something, I do really good speaking in a person to person because what I'm trying to do is create a dialogue. I don't never want to just talk to people. I want to create a dialogue because what I want to do is get questions from you, give you feedback, and us work our way through this so you get an understanding. So when most people hire me, what we do is we do a series of calls in which we discuss particular topics and I try to help you get an understanding. And I literally will say, give me questions about what I've just spoken to you about and let's create a dialogue about it so you can get a point to where you can understand it so you can go out in the world and start applying it because the world, the marketplace is essentially your lab. And what I need you to do is take what I told you, go out in the marketplace, apply it, get information, get feedback from the market, come back to me we chop it up again and you go back on and you just keep repeating the process I'm a big fan of the dialectic where you understand what creates change and what creates a response and you go back and you just keep repeating that process over and over again so, so
1: as you have having said that it's it's time inefficient um what's your max number of clients that you'll take on at one time um in your business
2: the maximum of clients I probably would take on right now probably be ten. Okay. Now probably because of the amount of time it's going to take. But see, this is the thing: is some people just buy me for one for one session. Okay. Other people I sold into like a whole program that consisted of four to five sessions. Okay. So one thing about me and when I've decided to go in my business is that this marketing is never is not going to be my core thing, because if it when it becomes my core thing, then now I'm under so much pressure to scale it out, to make it very efficient to where I think I'm not gonna be able to get the best results from my clients. Okay. So this is very it's very old school and inefficient the way I go about it, but it's designed to bring about the right result because I understand that the person I'm looking for is a person that wants to be in a controlled situation and they have the mental ability to handle that. Okay. So what I'm selling is not for everybody. It's gonna take a certain kind of mentality because our community has produced people that understood this, but because of the way, the positions that we were in, it all took a negative perspective. And I'm trying to figure out how can I create, how can I help not create, but how can I help bring about another version of Big Meats, but from a positive aspect?
0: Okay. And <laughs> that's, right. what,
2: that's really what I'm trying to do.
0: Okay. Let and me so ask it's your...
2: gonna take the right person to do that.
0: Let me ask you a question, right? So. I know that um, you know, because I follow your work, I know that you're also an investor and, and a trader as well at this point. Um, understanding um, manipulation and psychology, how does that help you as an investor and in the stock market or even as a trader?
2: Okay, so it's really helped me a lot because essentially all I do is I do the same thing I did as a marketer. So I do a lot of uh, trading of options. And one thing I understood about the options market is it's full of a lot of people with a Las Vegas mentality. So they don't even really care about the stock. They don't even really care about the money. They're addicted to the action, like a lot of gamblers. A lot of gamblers are addicted to the action. They're they're addicted to the action, the momentum of the particular situation. So they're going to move in and out of positions regardless of what happens. Even when they lose, they're they're happy with that because they're involved in action. So my job is to try to figure out how to position myself to where the action is going to go. Because these people are addicted to action. The same way a person at Vegas is addicted to the action, they're not addicted to the result. They just want to be in the mix. So how can I figure out from a psychological standpoint where the flow is going? Because most people that are traders are following the crowd. They're not institutional investors. and not the market makers. So when they see the direction is going a certain direction, they follow because they think they're missing out and they just want to be involved in in the action. So my understanding of psychology and my understanding of persuasion influences really helped me because all i do is i just use those same techniques in the in the investment space
0: okay i oh, mean yeah. good stuff man you got a lot of good stuff here but before we get you out of here i have to ask we always ask our guests about books is there any book along your journey that you uh felt you know made a change in you like, you can give as many as you want or as, or as little as you want but any specific book because we try to like highlight books um you know, don't I show that we can have other people look into? So, what would you say is a good book that helps you in terms of uh, marketing or anything else?
2: Okay, so what I tell everybody, if you don't really understand anything about persuasion and influence, I tell people all the time there's three books you need to read for a year. You need to read the Bible, you need to read the Quran, you need to read a dictionary, and you read those books every day for a year, and you'll start to understand how to persuade and influence people with words because those books have been able to persuade and influence people to do some really wild stuff with just words. And you really need to understand it and read that from a very pragmatic standpoint. Then once you, if you're a little bit more elevated, you can read books like the, Cro- the crowd by this guy named, I think, Gustav, but you can Google the crowd. It's on Amazon. It's a book about group behavior and how people, when they're in groups, they act totally different than they act as individuals, which is why you see, that people that are looking to persuade people always try to make sure that you're in a group. MLM space is a big fan of that. Religion takes advantage of that. Politics takes advantage of that. They try to put you in a group because they understand is that once we get you in a group, your behavior literally changes. You turn into a different person.
1: Because See, I, I people like people. how you did, I like how you said that, right? Because most people think that if you're trying to persuade somebody, you try to isolate them. And what you're saying is, if you're trying to really persuade somebody to do something, you put them in a group instead of trying to isolate
2: them. No, you put them in a group. Because once people get into a group, they lose their individual mind. Unless they understand what's going on and they don't fall into it. But most people don't have that level of awareness. So w- let me give you a real example. Very, You see people get assaulted in groups. A lot of times people wouldn't do that by themselves. But when they get in, I always, so let me give you a real quick story. When I was coming up, I always observed that when a dude was around a bunch of other people, he acted differently than he acted by himself. So I would be around, I'd be in a situation and, and I would have an issue with somebody and I realized, you know what, he's trying to show out for that group. Because I would see the dude later by himself and I would be like, okay, hey, so what's up? And he didn't want no issue. But around that group, because he was trying to, uh, th- he was worried about how that group thought about him, he felt like he had to exhibit a certain behavior. So we got to understand that people will act differently in groups and they act by themselves. A lot of times when a person is by themselves, you really figure out who they really are. Yeah. So
0: it's a, certain, have, it's a different, it's a different energy when people are with groups. Like exactly. I, I even see that. Like when you go to a concert or something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's, it's the same thing. The concert, the religion, politics, MLM meetings is we want to persuade people on a mass level and to create a lot of powerful energy based around persuasion. You gotta get them in a group.
0: Yeah, it's 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 interesting you say that. Cause I was actually gonna ask you earlier about I said this that'll probably lead to another hour-long podcast about the um the persuasion that takes place within religion. But you know, we can say that yeah, for it's, another time. It's,
2: it's the <laughs> same persuasion that takes place in politics. hmm It's nothing different. It's just a different format.
0: Yeah, so I guess and you know, the, back to that whole magic pill thing, which um I'm gonna take that away from this as well. So people look at certain politicians as being their magic pill or they look at religious figures as being their magic pill or their reverence being the magic pill. So that, that magic pill thing is real, man. I, you need to start a magic pill series because listen, man, when you say that, it makes so much sense because anyone watching this or listening, you can relate to that, how people are always looking for that quick fix, right? Even when it comes to um, dieting, right? People want that magic pill they, and they're constantly being sold to because the they're being sold to, right? Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen a movie called uh, The Joneses? I don't think so. It's a movie with uh, David Duchovny. I, it's an interesting movie. I always talk to people in marketing about this because it was a movie about this couple. They move into this wealthy neighborhood, but they're not really a couple. They're a bunch of marketers. And okay. what, they're, what they're doing in, in this thing is they're trying to get people in this wealthy neighborhood to buy certain products. So they actually do it by moving in and posing as a family. They have a whole fake family, but it's a marketing movie. Um, and it's called, uh, Demi Moore is in it too, it's Demi Moore and David Duchovny, but it's all about marketing. And they try to do it like through word of mouth by literally moving into a wealthy neighborhood and try to change their habits and products they use. So it's, you know, if it's a comedy, or whatever, but it's about marketing. Okay. Um, so I think that was interesting too. So The Crowd, any other books you would recommend um, outside of The Crowd?
2: The Crowd, Um, like you talked about, Persuasion by Cialdini. Yeah. That's a really, really good book to get you to understand psychology. um, And... The, the Prince by, Michael, by Niccolo Machiavelli mm-hmm. is a really, really good book to teach you to understand people's behavior and understand power. Um, and really, if you start there and you continue to reread them, the, as you understand it, you go out in the world, you start to observe it, you go back and read it and make more sense a second time. And so you start putting yourself in that pattern where it's not about multiple books. It's about, like I said, once you understand the basics, you can always work your move. And that's yeah. what I try to get people to understand. You don't have to make this complicated. Get the basics down because you're dealing, with it. you're dealing with a human brain, especially a black person. You're dealing with a person that got memory that goes back a million years. So their behavior is very basic, even though they might not be a basic person. Yeah. So once yeah. you understand that, our our opponents understand that, and they're able to manipulate us negatively because they understand that. We don't understand it about ourselves, so we always fall victim to what they're doing.
0: Yeah, that's because most of us, from uh, we, we take a step back, don't even realize we have an opponent. But um, <laughs> it's it's also interesting that, that to, I never thought about that as all, as the Bible or the Quran being a marketing book. But it makes so much sense when you say it, like in terms of being able to move people just through just through words.
2: Oh, the biggest I mean, marketing books in the world. Yeah, the biggest marketing books in the world. I mean, the the big what the biggest marketing books in the world. And let me explain something to you. I'm a believer, but because I'm a very pragmatic thinker, I understand how this is being used to manipulate people positively and negatively. And the problem is, a lot of people are so caught up in it they can't see it. Well, I can see it, and so I understand how you can use religion to get people to do what you want them to do. That can be negative. If you read the book, um, that movie that came out with Denzel, the Book of Eli. Yeah. And the white dude wanted the book because he said, if I can get this book now, I can justify all my behavior. So you got to understand that these are some of the biggest marketing books. So once you read it and you start to kind of go through it, you understand how you can use this to get people to act in a certain way. Because they've been justifying and commanding people's behavior using those books going on over a thousand years. Well, Why should I do this? Because the book. You know how many black people say, <laughs> well, we had this particular problem, so we had to go to the book to figure out what to do. And the book, you got to realize if you read the Bible, that don't have nothing to do with your problem. But you've been convinced that your answer's in this book. So you got to really just understand how that book can be used to get people to control people's behavior. And that's all all they credit these religions to do is to control behavior.
1: Massive control of behavior. behavior. Mass control.
2: Because what did I say earlier? If we are in control of a territory, we got to figure out a way to control people. If not, somebody's gonna come in and control those people against us. So why don't I just use religion to do it? That's the easy way to do it.
0: Man, listen, you're giving so many gems this episode, man. I, I'm taking a lot from this myself, man. I'm sitting there taking notes, but uh, man, Dave, this has been amazing, man. This has been amazing, and um, we appreciate you for your time, and um, also all the gems that you dropped in our audience, man. How can the people out there get in touch with you if they want to inquire about your services and just see what you got going on? What's your social media? Are you on um? Instagram. I know you're on Facebook. What's the what's the way people can get in touch with you?
2: Easy way to get in touch with me is on Facebook. I'm on the Facebook right now. It's Diamond Dave. You can also find me on LinkedIn. If you just type in David Williams, you'll see me as the same guy with a bald head. So you know who I am. So those are the two easiest ways to reach out to me. I just ask if you reach out to me, be serious about what you're trying to do. Be willing to move forward and let's respect each other's time. And what I'm not going to do is fight you to try to learn something. So if you're not willing to learn, you're not willing to apply, I'm not the right person for you and you're not the right person for me. So let's not wait till the time, but that's the easiest way to get in contact with.
0: Absolutely, man. And cool. before we get out of here, any more thoughts or questions you want to get off?
1: I mean, I met I met Dave and, and you know, he when, when, when we were doing our uh, the hood adult classes, he came and spoke to our class and gave him a lot of gym. And so I know that he get around and he he do a lot of work you know what I mean with the people in the communities we ain't really get a t- chance to talk about that but I know he do that kind of work cuz he did it for me so you know I want to say I appreciate your time and your efforts man
2: no problem man I was happy to do it because anybody trying to deal with the kids I'm going to always support it because that's really that's where everything starts and so that's a good place to always reach out to them so I'm always going to support it anybody dealing with children positively I'm going to always support it the best way I can
0: yeah man, we definitely we definitely appreciate you man and um and keep using your platform to teach cuz like I said um you know I don't comment on everything. I tell people all the time I don't comment on everything but I read a lot and I pay attention and and you're one of the more interesting followers because of your perspective on everything coming from that angle of uh people being persuaded. So uh keep using your platform in a positive way man. And we just want to say thank you for your time. Um to our audience out there, listen, don't forget subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share this content with as many people as possible because we want to get these stories out there. And there's a lot of gems in this episode. Um, Subscribe to any of the podcast platforms. You listen to this on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, just make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share this content. And um, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, man. And we'll see you all next time. Peace.